Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a ministry of Bible to School. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 116. From the birth of the early church until now, the military has carried the gospel. Our guest, Megan Brown, believes the military community has the potential to kickstart the Third Great Awakening. You'll hear her testimony of salvation, how she started a Bible study with other military wives in her living room, and the ways the Lord has grown this into a mission field that empowers military women to share the gospel, to teach the Bible, and minister to women in pain wherever they're stationed. After hearing Megan's story, you're going to want to learn more about her ministry, Millsfoco especially if you or someone you know is in the military. Don't keep this a secret. Share this episode and head on over to our website, BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com to find today's show notes and connect with this ministry that recruits, raises up, and releases an army of women to go and spread the gospel to the nations. Ready to hear how military women make great missionaries? Join Corey and Megan's conversation now. Well, today I am so excited because we're going to talk about a special group of Americans who are near and dear to my heart, and that is military families. Some of you don't know this about me, but I am a veteran military wife. My husband served in the Navy for the first 10 years of our marriage during Desert Storm. Our boys were young at the time, and I always tell people freedom is not free. Right now, as we speak, military families are sacrificing for your freedom. They don't get to see their loved ones so that you can live the way you want to live and worship the way you want to worship. So I'd like to say that we are just excited to have our guest today, Megan Brown. She is a special military spouse. And I would like to welcome you, Megan Brown, to our our podcast. Hey, I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, Megan. And and so my husband was in the Navy, like I just said. Can you tell me what branch your husband serves in? My husband has been active duty Air Force for the last almost 19 years. We are wow. so the finish line. Awesome. And t- tell us a little bit about your family and where you're from. So um, my husband and I have been married for a little over 17 years. We have four amazingly energetic children. We live on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We are all the way down on the water. So if you go south until you can't go south anymore, hang a left at the shrimp shack. You won't miss me. I'm right around the corner. <laughs> um, we are very close to retiring. And uh, so we are really looking forward to this next season where we can kind of rest and recover from the last 20 years of mayhem. Yeah, we're going to talk about military life in a minute. But like most people, like when they find out that I was a military wife, a Navy wife, they're like, how did you handle being a part? How, how do you answer that question, Megan? You know, I always kind of jokingly consider my other options. It's like, let's see, what could I have done instead? <laughs> you know, when we handle the separations, it's one of those things that you do because you really don't have any other choice. Right. And not all of us do it well. 
there's a lot of hardship, a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility that comes with managing a household. And, and you know, in the community, we jokingly call it married, but single. It's like, well, we're married, <laughs> but we're single parenting. We're single-handedly moving boxes or homes and building communities and then holding down the home front. I think if I were to say it in a phrase, it is organized chaos, guys. That's how we do it. It's organized <laughs> chaos. You hurry up, you wait, you cry, rinse, wash, repeat. Right. But we did talk about those, uh, those homecomings. So it, it, it is difficult those time apart. And the way I answer that question is, yeah, you do it because you have to. And, you know, my husband, his purpose was to go out in a Navy ship and that, to defend the country. I mean, what are you going to do? Say, no, don't go, you know? So I just, I appreciate that about you. Yes. It's, you just, there's a definitely a strength there that definitely comes from God that we, that we have. There's a balance, uh, but you, you do some really interesting things, Megan. And when I got to know you recently, I'm like, I have to have her on the podcast because you're a Christian speaker, you're an author, you're an executive director of a, of a nonprofit. So tell me more about these different facets of your life. They're, you're not just a military wife. You, you do a lot of things for the Lord. So one of the things that I like to say is that the assignment never changes, but the job description does. And when I think about all the different hats I wear, I mean, like my husband likes to joke that I have a separate closet for all my hats. And, and <laughs> I wish you could see me right now. I, I'm always in you a, have hat. a hat on. So, yeah. <laughs> I love a good flat build hat. I'm a Vans girl. So one of the things that we talk about is that the Lord has called us all to the same thing. He's called us to the Great Commission and he calls us to that job within the context of our lives. I am called to make disciples that make disciples as a military spouse, as a mother, as a woman of color, as all of the different facets of who I am. I get to engage with the Lord in his work through participating in the Great Commission in my context. And so I'm a, I do all the things. I, I am a Christian speaker. I write books. I, I speak on the stages. I lead organizations, but at the core of who I am in my heart of heart. I'm a military missionary. That's really the the first job that I think I try to calibrate all the rest around is that I am a missionary. So what I do, I have been making disciples in the military community for close to 10 years. I wasn't always a believer. My beloved husband dragged my tail to church um, <laughs> after we got married, guys. He married me when I was crazy. I was wild. And um, hearing the gospel for the first time in Ephesians 1, it was transformational. It was one of those moments that I'll always remember where I was very aware of my sin. I was very aware of the cost of my sin and, and really the stain it had left on every aspect of my life. And really understanding for the first time that I had been chosen, purchased and redeemed, it changed the name of the game for me. And, mm. and for years, I, I really didn't know what it meant to be a believer, right? Like I showed up and I joked that, you know, the women of the church, the only invitation I got was to strive as hard as they were. It was like they gave me all these checklists and told me I wore too much makeup and I had, you know, I, I needed to do something about my crazy skate park clothing. Yeah. So as we speak, you, I, you have blue hair on the bottom of your, your, yeah, your long hair. It looks really cool. looks really cool. But I can imagine yeah. that would shock some church churches sometimes way back yeah 10 years ago but this was the it was the early 2000s and so mm -hmm. I, I i lovingly joked that i had tattoos and and pink hair way before it was cool <laughs> but you know 
one of the things that I think is so interesting about the military community and the way we live our lives, the Lord pursues us and is chasing us down to open our hearts and minds to the truth of the gospel. And he does it in ways that most people are like, wow, that's interesting. That's weird how that happens. Most military spouses will discover themselves by discovering the Lord in times of crisis. And it was no different for me. Yeah. The military life is a very intense life. And the fact that you call yourself a military missionary, that just really intrigued me. And you founded a nonprofit. Uh, Can you tell us about that just for military spouses? Yeah. So when I share my testimony, I talk about not knowing any answers. I knew the name of the Lord and really nothing else. It was, this was about 10 years ago. And if you would have told me 10 years ago that this is where I would be today, I would have laughed audibly. But my (laughs) husband was driving convoys in Afghanistan. We had been married for about six, seven years. And it was his first big deployment. We had done the moves, the TDYs, all the acronyms. But this is the first time he was in a combat zone. One day in the middle of this deployment, our children were five, three, and one. Uh, There was a knock at the door and uh, it was a postal worker and she had his footlockers. And I remember the panic was real. Like I had given my life to the Lord at 20. I had been baptized at 22. At this point, I'm 26, 27. And I had never been taught to read my Bible. I had no idea how to pray. I knew a few memory verses and like rules of church engagement. That's it. My Bible stayed on the shelf between Sunday afternoon and Saturday night. A lot of people don't know what that means when somebody knocks at the door. I do because I was a military wife, but that knock at the door, what does that mean, Megan? I really thought that she beat the casualty officers, that this lady was here to tell me that my husband was gone. Mm. His footlockers were there. We weren't attached to a unit. There was no notice. There was no communication. And uh, three days went by of mm. me just waiting on a black car. And, and I remember every time a car passed my house, I stopped breathing. Right. And because you thought they were, you thought they were going to come in and tell you that your husband was not living anymore, died in combat. You're waiting. That's not normal. Usually like they would tell you right away. So this was kind of a strange thing. It was a strange thing. We were stationed remote. And so what that means is we were about an hour and a half away from any military installation. He was on recruiting duty and took a deployment out of cycle. So he was essentially over there, out of turn, out of cycle, because we took that job because it was controlled, meaning no deployments. You know, there's no such thing. (laughs) There's no such thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's no such thing. It was such a nice idea. We were so naive. Anywho, (laughs) the waiting was horrible. The silence was definitely awful. And I remember yelling to the Lord and being like, I'm going to need you to give me some answers here. How do you how do I talk to you? Right. Like I, I opened my Bible and I read like an entire chapter of Thessalonians and I'm like, what's Thessalonian? I don't know what this is. <laughs> so mad. And, and, you know, that little short verse, pray without ceasing. I didn't even know how to do that. And so I found myself in a little bit of despair. And, and I share that to say when I finally heard from him that he was safe, praise God. Yeah. Um, I'll end the suspense for you listeners. Like he's okay. I thought to myself as a believer, right? I had been a believer at this point. I professed faith in Christ. In the face of the most frightening thing I could ever imagine, I had no tangible answers. And the faith I thought I had was absent. Wow. It was empty. It was empty. Wow. I had no, no knowledge. And so mm. I remember being relieved. But the feeling I remember most after talking to him on the phone was the crushing weight of my own conviction that I did not know anything about what it meant to follow Jesus. Mm. Wow. What'd you do next? I bought a children's Bible with pictures. 
Okay. Um, because I grew up in the 318 and I don't know nothing about no mustard seeds. I was like, what is an ox for here? Like, is this something I should know? I have never seen an ox. Where is the encyclopedia? And so like I, I had a dictionary and I had a children's Bible and I was like, I'm going to understand some of this. Now, guys, I was almost, I was 27 when this happened. So he came home and we moved to the Gulf Coast in 2014. And I invited my neighbors over to read my children's Bible with me. I was like, I don't know what's in here, but um, we'll figure it out together. And so there were six women uh, that first week and it was me and my weird neighbor and a handful of women from the military housing units. And we didn't know what we were doing. I was not a qualified Bible teacher. This was almost 10 years ago and I had no clue. I remember the second week, 17 women showed up and they were standing room only in my little bitty living room. Wow. Yeah, Corey, I was talking to the Lord. I'm like, listen, if I'm your Bible teacher, you have a serious HR problem, bro. Have you met me? <laughs> like, I am the least qualified. Where are all the people that are in here that know how to do this? Hmm. Um, he doesn't He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> he sure does. And, and honestly... All it takes is obedience and a willingness to do it when you don't know what you're doing, hoping and trusting that he'll make up the difference with the intention of serving him well. And I think that when that third week hit and there were 25 women and I'm watching women drag lawn chairs into this tiny living room, oh, cool. I was like, these women are desperate. Like women were desperate to know the answer. We outgrew my living room. I went to the chapel and I was like, Chappie, I've got myself a real problem. There's 40 of them, and uh, my kitchen is a Play-Doh nightmare, sir. They're asking hard questions. I don't know what they're. At. I don't know what they mean. What do I do with these women? And man, he threw us into ministry. He cut us a check and gave us the keys to the building. And we, uh, within two years, there were over 100 people participating. And wow. I share all that. Uh, all that is is kind of we founded Millsco Co. in 2022. The ministry itself is old. The organization is a baby. We really didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. We were just gathering the women and, and having, sharing the gospel. Right. You're having a Bible study, basically, just an impromptu Bible study. Why do you think military families, military spouses grabbed onto this so hard? Well, what is your take on that? Man, half of the women in the room were non-believers at this Bible really? study. Mm. Mm. And they told me, one of them looked at me and she's like, I'm so lonely, I'm going to die. I don't care that you're talking to me about this Jesus guy. You're putting my kids in you know, a, a, a program where they're going to make friends and there's food here. And there are people that make eye contact with me. There are other adults in this room. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll take that because then a half of those women who came in lost, left bound. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Does God really know how many hairs are on our heads? Isn't it simply amazing to think that such a constantly changing detail, like the number of hairs on our head, wouldn't escape God's notice? In Luke chapter 12, verses six to eight, we read that God loves us and He knows us so well that every detail about us is known to Him. That makes sense because He created us. And what a comfort it is to know we are fully known by our Creator. That is so huge. And I, I, I got to interrupt you here for a minute to tell my story. And you know, when we first met, I was in tears because I was one of those military women. I knew about God in my head, but not in my heart. I didn't understand relationship. I knew rules. I knew all the Christian rules, but I didn't know relationship. And it was pretty hollow 
when, you know, your husband's going out to sea and, and going to be in literally harm's way and you're 20 years old and they're telling you, well, you, you need to have a will. You need to know, you know, you need to know what, ha- if they're going to come back, what do you, what do you do? And most of the population doesn't understand that. And so I pretty much, uh, you're, she actually just showed me her will <laughs> that she, she just held it up. Yeah, it's it's something that you you have to face as part of your life in the military, and it's hard to deal with. And if you don't know your God and your Creator, and you don't have that, you know, where like kids in Bible to school, where did I come from? What's my purpose? What happens after I die? Those questions need to be answered. If you haven't got them answered yet, and I did not have them answered, but a women's Bible study did. I was that military wife that would have been. Grabbing up, dragging a lawn chair to your house to learn about this. So kudos to you for stepping out and doing that. How does the, so MILSPOCO stands for Military Spouses Coalition, right? Because everything, everything always has to be shortened in the military. But like, how do you see this ministry? How does it work? How does MILSPOCO work? Originally, this ministry began as a Bible study. We just wanted to get women access to the gospel and to the Lord. And, and really, when, we, when I learned how to exposit and when I learned the power of sharing the gospel at a coffee table, mm-hmm. um, we saw that community can be missional. And so there were several evolutions of this. We went the program route where we built this big program and had steering teams and did the centerpieces and the polka dot tablecloths and the simulcasts. And we found that that strategy doesn't always work in a war tribe because these women need something now. And when there's a folded flag in the room, nobody cares about the DVD or the discussion guide. That Mm. didn't work. So we found that we had to raise up women who were indigenous in the community, women who got the context, who could do three things. We wanted women who could share the gospel, teach the Bible and minister to women in pain. And we thought, How can we replicate women that do that? Mm. Well, anytime a woman is being called to ministry, the first thing she says is, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Me too. Yeah. That's the first thing I say too. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we say. We're like, what do you mean, Lord? How doth we do the thing? So the first thing that Millspoco does is we educate women. We roll women through in cohort seminary training. Every single person that rolls through our cohort gets a certificate in biblical studies and theology. Mm. They are going to be master expositors. They are going to have a background in biblical teaching, hermeneutics, Old Testament, New Testament. They're going to understand Christian theology and ethics because we need them to engage with culture, not ignore it. For all of you who have kids in public school, you know, we're talking about how this intersects. We don't want to teach our kids to stay out of the water for fear of drowning. We can't do that. We can't bubble them off and hope that they're protected from the culture. We have to teach them to swim. So in the same way, like we turn out women who can engage with the culture and who can engage with what we're doing and present a biblical worldview while doing it. And so that's the first thing that we do. And the second thing that makes us really different is that we train these women in theology and philosophy, but we also teach them how to support, raise, and partner. We pay them. So at Millspoco, essentially, we are a training organization and an employment opportunity. We recruit, raise up, and release military-connected women to mission and evangelize the military community so that in 10 years, we can mobilize them. Yeah, so why, why the military community? Why is that so impactful? 
Militaries are a small community. So why is that impactful, Megan? We believe that the military community has the potential to kickstart the third great awakening. A friend of mine says it like this. When he reads the book of Acts, his name is Gary Sanders, the Roman military carried the gospel to the known world. The military has always carried the gospel. From the birth of the early church, the military has always had a role in gospel mission. And the Lord has always leveraged this mobilized community to do his will. Always. They're all over the world. They're all over the world. And the, the United States Armed Forces engages with all the other militaries of the world. And when we think about the fact that we are in and through all places, we are on multiple continents. We're in the middle of oceans. We're in all lower 48. There will always be a place you can find a military community. And if we were mobilized for the gospel, if we were Mm. charged Mm -hmm. with carrying it, we have the raw skills. We're master community builders. We're problem solvers. We're upwardly mobile. And let's be honest, guys, we suffer a lot and we suffer well. We make great missionaries. We've already lived our, we already live our lives on mission. If we would do everything that we do, military families, that we would sacrifice our time with our loved ones, we'd pack up and uproot our kids. We would pay in with sacrifice after sacrifice for the defense of this great nation. What do you think we would do for the Lord of the world? What do you think we'd do for our Savior? That yeah. and all the rest. Amen. Amen. And one of my favorite verses is, have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We had a, a painting above our in our living room that said, home is where the Navy sends you. And I, I that is actually what happens, but God is with you. And I love that you're equipping. That's what Bible to School does. We equip communities to do this in the mission field of public schools. Everywhere is a mission field, Megan, everywhere, wherever you are, your, your mission field. I love that you are bringing this to military spouses because, like I said, they, it is a very intense life, great, great highs, great, great lows. But God, when you're hanging on to God like that, it, it's a great ride. I mean, what are some of the God stories you have? Something, you know, something that only God can do. So, um, like I said, this ministry is old. We've been rolling this thing since 2014, and it had a lot of iterations. We really had no clue what we were doing in the beginning. And uh, in 2017, when the program had gotten large and we found it ineffective, we stripped it back down to six women, a a copy of the scriptures and a coffee pot. And I decided that if I was going to handle the text, I better do it from a place of knowing what I'm doing. So I went to college. I got a degree. My husband uh, lovingly gave me his GI Bill and I was able to get a bachelor's and a master's at Moody. Yeah, he's a rock star, this guy it's really unfair. He's got a lot of invisible brownie points for my education there, Corey. Um, (laughs) So when we decided that we were going to ministry entrepreneur this thing, I had served underneath two large parachurch orgs that had a, a strategy for military spouse engagement. And I was brought on specifically to build it and execute it. Well, I finally got brave and I was like, all right, Lord, you're calling me to move. You're calling me to move now. And I can't wait on people to catch up or give me permission. Your permission is the only one that counts. Well, guys, we were broke. Like I jumped ship from a paycheck and uh, a solid, a solid engagement strategy to build Millspoco. I called my best B and I was like, hey, buddy, uh, I need you to pray. We need five grand. It's going to take $5,000 to get the website up and running, to file the paperwork, to build the systems, to set up the donor portals. Like I don't have that. The Lord does. Just ask him for me. 
One of my best friends is uh, her husband was a Marine. He's medically retired. They have a daughter. She's got a harder story. But this is what's amazing. The Lord redeems hard stories. He doesn't always prevent painful things. He doesn't always stop the things that define us when it comes to hard circumstances. But when we bring it to him, he redefines it, repurposes, and he wastes nothing. So Catherine's first husband was a Marine and he lost his life to suicide. They had a daughter. Mm. Mm. Her name is Brooke. Brooke made the decision to fund the launch of this ministry. I got a check from a 13-year-old girl with a letter and it said, I know firsthand the cost of lostness and loneliness in our space. Mm. We're launching missionaries. And here's the thing, guys, if the connection's hard to make. In our community, she's called a gold star kid. A gold star child is a child who lost a service member in time of duty. Right. She gets a a benefit. She cashed in death benefits to Mm. launch this mission. She wrote a letter to all of our partners and supporters, and she challenged them. She said, we're going to make this life money. This death money is life money. Are you going to come with us? Wow. This is eternal life money. That's beautiful. I I love the start of this. So, so you started with a God story, like you just kicked off with it. You told me a story about a little girl and we've got to wrap up pretty soon here, but I, I want to hear it. Like, tell me, tell me about this little girl and you minister specifically to families, but specifically, I mean, the kids really are affected not only by the military, but, but by the gospel. Like we know that from Bible to school. So tell me, tell me about that God story that you told me that actually had me in tears. Uh, We think that one of the most effective ministry tools in the military space is a woman with the gospel. The difference between lost service members, lost children, saved children, saved service members is a woman who can handle the gospel and who is literally being transformed by it in real time in their homes. We had a woman that was participating in the ministry and uh, she was coming. We were doing Bible study. She was serving and her husband caught a deployment and it was time to drag the bag. So the bag is getting dragged through the living room. And all the while, her four-year-old was attending with her to these meetings. She was hearing the Bible. She was watching her mom. And she stopped her, her, her dad and said, Daddy, you can't leave before I pray. And this little girl prayed mm. for her dad that mm. he would be safe, that he would return home, that he would know the love of the Lord. And you want to talk about a guy giving his life to the Lord in the hallway before mm. deployment. Why do we do what we do? Why do we empower women in our space to carry the gospel because it is the difference between life and death in here. Amen. It absolutely is. I personally have experienced that. I've I've experienced getting saying goodbye to them. I've experiencing the joy of having them back. But man, the gospel is always there. God is always there. And that's what these children get. They get the simple concept of faith. They they really get it. And you're giving them the gospel and Mill Spoko. How could people get in touch with you who, I mean, there's plenty of, uh, maybe you're, you're not military, but you know people who are, you know families that are. How can they get in touch with Mill Spoko to possibly help jumpstart these women's Bible studies? So the way that we do partnership in this season is that we are asking for prayer first. This year, we are really committed to just asking the Lord to raise up an army And so the first thing that I'd ask you to do is to pray for military missions, to pray for evangelism in our space, to pray that God would clearly call leaders in our space to step up to the plate and start working toward the Great Commission. The second thing that we would ask is to support us. We are building an entire organization around military evangelism. 
And there, there uh, are a lot of uh, organizations out there that serve the service member, but there are not many that target the spouses. Even the ones that do aren't launching missionaries. It's a yes. little contextualized what we do. And so what we are is to raise the support to launch 25 in the field by 2025. So awesome. we're asking for God's people to pray for us and get our and get the wallets out, man. Like we need some help. Um, <laughs> sending missionaries cost money, but we have a website, www.millspoco.com slash give. We can find out more information. You can set up giving. Giving is really one of the largest ways you can make impact in military missions. And then the last way to support us is to share the stories to talk about your connection to the military, to use your sphere of influence, to share that there is a mission field that is in everyone's backyard, to know the story and share it. So those are the three big ways. Pray, give, share. We love you. Awesome. Well, we're coming up on Veterans Day. So it's this week. Last question for you, Megan. Say I have have military people in my family. I have military people that are friends uh, or neighbors. And I don't know what to do for them. How do I encourage them? How do I support them? What's the best way to do that? Because we are so thankful for those, those veterans, for those active duty military families. You're doing it. You're there so we can be free. I think one of the biggest things that you can do is give your actual presence. And I mean, not presence with a T, but presence. Show up in relationship and invest in these people. One of the things that um, we hear a lot is that when you move to a new place, you're setting up shop. You're doing it over and over. I, I talk about the fact that I have to build and rebuild my life every time the wind changes. There's something to having people that will send you a DoorDash gift card and say, hey, I know you're probably tired. Don't worry about dinner tonight. Get some takeout. There's something to getting a card in the mail with some Starbucks in it that says, hey, I know you're doing hard things. I tangibly appreciate what you're doing. We can show up in relationship in a way that provides tangible support, but also provides a lot of hope and encouragement. So if you have a veteran or a veteran's family in your life, man, call and check on them. I guarantee I haven't heard from one person in this last season that says we are totally fine and everything's great and it'd be true. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, I have to tell you my, my best friend, she's the one that introduced me to Jesus through her Bible study. She was a military wife. She was a Navy wife. So more power to you. You're getting it done. You're getting her done. Would you mind praying for us? And I really appreciate you being here, Megan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to fellowship, for the opportunity to become very aware and focused on the work and mission of Jesus himself. Before he returned to you, he challenged us. He told us to go as we are going, to make disciples. And I ask God that you would remind us of the joy of our own salvation and that you would call us into the work of co-laboring alongside of you to shepherd ourselves, to encourage our kids, to disciple our community. Because Father, we know that you've called us to a very specific task. And no matter what we believe about when you're coming back, we know that these days are the only days we get. And I pray that we would use them for your glory and our good. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. I don't know about you. But after hearing Megan's story, I feel convicted about how often I find myself believing the lie that I'm just not equipped to do the thing God's calling me to. I love how one small step of obedience, buying a kid's Bible and inviting neighbors to her home, has led to a ministry that now equips women to share the gospel, teach the Bible, and minister to women in pain wherever they're stationed. So who do you know that could benefit from this ministry? 
Sharing is caring. So send this episode to your friends and bring up Co. in your conversations. If this mission has touched your heart and you want to learn more about Military Spouse Coalition, visit their website at millspoco.com. And just in case you're new here, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. It's so fun to go through our archives and check out our plethora of guests. They all have something unique to teach about the truth of God's word and Jesus's great love for children. We'd also love to connect with you on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find us at Bible, the number two school. Well, thanks so much for listening today, friends. And remember, circle back next week to learn more ways that you can teach children about Jesus and his great love for them.